Hi everybody. My name is Lavanya and you're listening to Not Just a Man's World. This is a women's sports special podcast brought to you by Sports Star the Hindu, India's oldest sports magazine. I've been missing in action for a bit. We've not put out an episode in quite a while now, and um I do have my reasons, but I'm so sorry that we've not been here to regularly come and speak to you guys every weekend. The world's a crazy place to be in now, isn't it? There's just so much going on and to be very very honest, at least on a personal level, it's so overwhelming to just keep up with everything. uh the corona virus sports coming back um the black lives matter movement there's just been so much happening there's so many things for us to start educating ourselves on or better our awareness about and uh, that's primarily what the team here has been trying to do now that sports coming back i think one of the loudest uh voices that we're hearing are of course calls to end racism and the whole black lives matter movement and sitting here in our newsrooms in chennai we're just trying to understand how this seeps into our own sport our own society we're trying to understand the history the experiences of these athletes who are speaking about it world over and we definitely want to address this which is why we took some time off to just sort of understand what it is and make sure that we are on the page we're supposed to be on um it feels great to come back and we're coming back for a very special occasion as well Now if you're listening to this podcast on July the 7th which is when I'm recording it and if you're in India I think Twitter Facebook Instagram it's all going to be filled with Mahendra Singh Dhoni today because it's his birthday he turns 39 today and the internet has basically drawn out every moment of his life right from the time he uh, made his debut to the last time we saw him in the World Cup and a little bit after that with the army but Today is not just about Mahendra Singh Dhoni it's also a very very important milestone for women's sport women's football in particular on this day 1 year ago the US women's national team beat Netherlands 2-0 in the final of the FIFA Women's World Cup to win their second consecutive title this was also their fourth title overall which makes them the most successful team in this tournament um it was a great final it was a great tournament there was a lot of great football to watch there were a lot of players that we got to see so many stories that we um learned about so many people so many struggles that we were introduced to but in hindsight this 2019 world cup has really been like a watershed moment for several of the conversations that are circulating around women's football in the year that's gone by especially when it comes to equal pay investments um sponsorships and all of these topics that we're talking about they're all so much more important now that we stand in this post covid world where again we're trying to uh, gather our bearings and figure out our priorities as far as women's sport is concerned the 2019 fifa world cup was an amazing experience and i'm saying this after sitting in a newsroom in chennai which is like 1000 miles on the other side of the globe and just following stuff that's happening so i can only imagine how great it must have been for somebody actually in france to sit and soak in that atmosphere to be very honest with you right now i just can't imagine like more than 3 people sitting together in close proximity the paranoia is very real but that's not what this episode is about we shall panic about the coronavirus and everything else later this episode is essentially a throwback to that win to this um achievement for the us women's national team and this world cup final itself 
this tournament the 2019 edition of the tournament was great for women's football in a lot of ways because the global interest really reached new peaks for this tournament it reached about 1 billion viewers the average audience uh, was about 82 million people this was the number that was tuning into that final Netherlands versus um, the US and this itself is a 56% jump from the numbers in 2015 of course from here because of all of the stuff that was happening on the field it made for great football but this tournament was also very important for the conversations that were happening off it especially with Megan Rapinoe going after Trump um, the equal pay debate the equal sponsorship debate the fact that the numbers had backed the girls so all of these people were asking for better from FIFA which actually worked FIFA has invested some money after that we've got um, the 2023 edition of the FIFA Women's World Cup will now have 32 teams rather than the 24 that were there in the last edition, which is great because now we're just slowly getting on par with the men. And uh, there is a steady investment that FIFA has said that it will not pull out despite the economic difficulties facing every sporting federation due to the coronavirus pandemic. So that's good news. And I think these kind of wins are very important to keep close to our heart when we're trying to rebuild a sport right from scratch in times like this. So anyway, my sermon's done. <laughs> this is a very special episode because this episode itself was recorded 365 days ago. Um, right after that final, I sat down with my colleagues Sham Vasudevan and Amal John to basically just understand and gather our thoughts about this final, to understand what had gone on in the last month, to just make sense of the Women's World Cup and in essence to just bid it farewell as well. Um, we had a great time covering that tournament because we ran live blogs, we did everything that we would do for a, for a men's tournament and that was a first for us which felt really good because in that process Remotely, we figured out so many of the issues facing women's football and its coverage. So it gave us an idea of what it could be like if we're a little closer in, in terms of our involvement. So this episode essentially tries to make sense of the politics and the football that was part of this tournament. Now, before you start off saying, this is a women's tournament, why have you got an all-male panel? I understand. This was a thought that hit my head as well. Uh, my colleague at the time, Mansi, who I was covering this entire thing with. We were doing the blogs, we were doing the packages, the analysis. She wasn't available on the day. And uh, she was just busy supporting the good quality of football that was gonna come up in the evening later on. So I had my next best options. Two of the male football correspondents in our office who were very, very interested in women's football, who've spent quite a lot of their time covering women's games here in India, as well as um, international sport as well. So, decently qualified panel, the three of us. This conversation deals with several things. It deals with the quality of football, um, the VAR, then the goal line technology debates that came through the tournament, and of course, the politics that came with the US women's national team. Listen in. The three-time world champions take on the European champions. Who will be crowned the best team in the world today? It's Rapino against Van Feenendaal. It's 1-0. The USA won. The Netherlands nil. Rosa Fowl. Lovely run. Great goal. Brilliant goal. Rosa Fowl might have won the World Cup for the United States. For the fourth time, the United States of America 
are crowned champions of the world and for the very first time they've done it on European soil. Sham and Amal, thank you so much for joining me. We've got so much to talk about in terms of the Women's World Cup. Both of you have sort of walked in and out of this tournament yeah. at different points. You've walked in and followed the games at the group level and then at the round of 16 yeah. and then the quarters and the semis. Mm. So we've had a lot of interesting games, but it's been a predictable tournament, so to speak, because much, yeah. yeah, USA came in as favourites. Yeah, and then, favorites. I mean, at one stage, it was just like they were just going to bulldoze their way through the entire tournament. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't always predictable. Like throughout the tournament, when it started, we thought there might be some upsets, like when you saw teams like Chile and all make it through and you know, first time, first timers and all of that. So uh, even even in the, even towards the end, we, we even expected England to like, you know, cause an upset and go mm. through to the final when... It wasn't always. It wasn't an easy run for USA at all. But they still. But that quality that USA have, that's yeah. completely different from the rest. They separate the best from the rest. That's what USA is. So that's what took them through. But otherwise, I don't. I don't think. I mean, the result in the end. In the end, when you look at it, yeah, it looked predictable because USA. Everybody thought USA would win. But the way the tournament went through, wasn't as predictable as we thought it would be. Yeah, I think yeah. even Sweden beating Germany was quite yeah. an upset. Quite a few, couple of upsets here and there, but. I think USA, the reason they're so good is because they all play in the same league, the US Women's National League. So all 23 players, which is the only team in the World Cup to have all 23 players in the same league, which is quite commendable. I think just their, 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 their knack for finding space and just how they're so telepathically connected, I think that's what kind of set them apart. It's interesting that you actually bring that up, Sham, because um, I read this piece in The Guardian, if I'm not wrong, which speaks about um, how now the entire focus of world football is sort of suddenly shifted to Europe. Everybody yeah. wants to know where these girls are playing and everybody wants to know which the big teams are. That's why I hope and, so, right? Yeah, so I th- yeah, I think it was a piece that she wrote where she's... So she has a concern that maybe if everybody now moves to Europe and if they start focusing there, what happens to the domestic league in America? Hmm. So do you think that's like a legitimate concern or are we just looking too far ahead? If you look at it, I think the US Women's League is actually really competitive. A lot of the top players play there. I think, I think out of the 360 players that play the World Cup, close to 60 of them play there, which is quite, quite, quite a huge number. But again, you got to also agree that Europe is, I think, undoubtedly the top destination for football for most footballers. So, for example, you have Olympic Lyon, which has players like Iga Hedenberg who didn't play the World Cup this time. But a lot of the top players actually play, do obviously aspire to play in Europe. And I think Olympic Lyon had a story about how... Um, they extend the same facilities as they do to the men's team, to the women's team as well. So the same access to the same stadiums, the same dressing rooms, in a sense, the same kind of facilities, the same... Um, I think even the pay isn't all that different and they get chartered flights as well. So it's quite quite commendable. I think most people would... Kept up, isn't it? Yeah, as opposed yeah, to the others. Not, exactly. So most people would want to be there, understandably so. And even I think all the players like Jennifer Hermoso, the Spanish striker, she plays for Atletico Madrid. And she was, I think, the top scorer with 24 goals last season. So I think it is pretty competitive. And a lot she's of she's been really good in their qualifications as well. Exactly, she's she's pretty good. Her and that Luis Garcia, they're both really good. So I think yes, there is a lot of um, talent in Europe. I think that's where undoubtedly you want to be at. Like the men's scene, isn't it? It's not very different. It's either England or Europe. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Actually, now that we were talking about comparing how men's football and women's football is, we'll get back there right in a minute. Before that, I mean, we have to talk about USA, don't mm-hmm, we? Mm-hmm. They've had a dream run. They've had their fourth title, their second consecutive title. It's been, I mean, I think after that whole Rapino uh, yeah. controversy sort of broke out, it's it's like it sort of like triggered that team, I suppose, because then they went on this rampage, mm. like both on and off the field. There was so yeah. much publicity. Mm. Plus, their performances were also so much more charged, isn't it? Mm. Amal, I remember you wrote a piece for us in mm. the middle of the tournament. You sort of wrote about who Megan Rapino is in the first place. So for anybody who was joining women's football midway, if they were just entering the whole world of women's football. Yeah. yeah, those who were living under a rock, so to speak. So, what was that like for you, following that entire journey? As somebody who's just watching football, what does the US team sort of... What What are your first impressions of that team? 
it's a they 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 spell anarchy to you don't they that's what they do uh, that that's free spirit i mean that's what i think megan rapino symbolizes in their team uh first of all that hair that amazing hair oh i want to get my hair color like that and uh, uh when i started you know to i started researching about her to i just kept reading and reading and reading because there was so much there was so much to her she's so much she's done uh you know that um, gold olympico when you score from mm-hmm. a corner she mm-hmm. was the first one to do it in mm-hmm. olympics mm-hmm. you know in the olympics so all of that and then how um uh, how, how it's hard for her or how it's hard for an lgbt player in football itself right. and all of those yeah. things and all those fights she's taking forward mm. and and then that trump comment of course that just blew things this just blew things up and then uh and then after that how she reacted to it after mm. that she was pretty candid about That's it she was not backing yeah. out yeah, yeah. she was not going to back out she was pretty candid about it right after that she came on the press conference and she said let's just get this out of the way I'm not going to back away from my co- from my comments yeah. spare, except the ex- uh, you know expletive uh, <laughs> ex- so would not be proud of that yeah. <laughs> so I'm saying that that was the story of the tournament the uh, Megan Rapinoe was definitely the story of the tournament and she lived up she mm. lived up to it she really lived up to it she didn't uh, after that Trump, after that comment she did, she just didn't you know fade away but every game every game since she delivered I think that's and not only her the rest of the team as well all of them were with her i mean even alex morgan yeah. i think the match after that she also didn't sing the national anthem yeah with her so like there was one game where she didn't yeah, yeah. i mean so, so the team is behind her everyone's yeah. behind her so that that team spirit it's, it's too strong okay but looking back at the tournament i mean considering how we started when we started this was not usa story when mm. we started it was a story of women's football mm. where suddenly there was so much more focus yeah. there was so much more money there was so much they were trying fifa was actually trying to get the sport out to get more people to cover it to mm. sort of make it more accessible to mm. reporters all around the world yeah. itself we've had some really good resources which on another day like on a usual day we rather wouldn't have mm. access to so they've done really well to sort of promote the sport but what i'd like to ask you about is when we looked at women's football or when we looked at what this tournament sort of means for women's football it was about all of these teams sort of coming together uh, you have these david goliath situations where you have these big teams like germany and usa and mm. you know mm. those the big league players mm. and then you have the likes of say chile and argentina jamaica I, again i'm not saying yeah jamaica jamaica story was brilliant yeah again i'm not yeah. saying they're not good teams but they're underdogs yeah. they, the, this was like a story of women who we probably wouldn't know off on a regular mm. day sort of coming in do you at some sort of stage feel like this whole us thing overshadowed that that aspect of the women's world cup because towards the end it just became about you know i i remember saying this personally i wish usa wins so that they can just mm. rub it in trump's face as a as a personal comment but i remember saying that as somebody watching the game so do you think that focus sort of diluted what this tournament was supposed to mean for the sport see i don't think necessarily because i mean if you remember serena williams had an outburst against nami osaka and people said she stole the thunder that day but Osaka was still a phenomenal player and she was a better player at the end of the day but when you so think, think of the US Open what do you think of you think of the outburst not of her win right exactly yes but then i don't take it away from Osaka for the way she played right. so similarly i mean Serena did go on to apologize last week but again yes USA did hog the limelight for reasons on and off the pitch or on the pitch was spectacular football not nothing no credit credit given where it's due but then off the pitch yes it was a little taxing it was a little i would say um it's like an overload after a point yeah it was a little overbearing to be honest after a point it just got like like every one in five copies in women's world cup was just about yeah you know, USA. yeah and trump and his <laughs> usa and and then you know our teammates backing on something just amazing to see but again this somewhere we got to draw a point and just talk more football and less politics i think kind of god it did overshadow a little bit but i don't think it took away the stories like, I mean, there's so many amazing stories like 
I remember that when when South Africa scored their first goal in NG Atlanta I hope I'm saying her name right there was this video of a mother and her family celebrating Clement. at home it was yeah. Yeah. spectacular like that was this kind of stories you don't see otherwise men's no one expected them to score first either in that game didn't they in 2010 men's world cup when shabalala scored the opener that was even we were there they broke into a dance yeah really good but yes even even jamaica for the matter of fact had a spectacular story they were funded by bob marley's daughter yeah bob marley's daughter yeah the legacy lives on yeah legacy lives on india they had a spectacular story as well and yeah i would say kind of robbed can kind of rob the lamb but right towards so. the end they isn't it it's sort of, yeah they won the world cup rightly so fair enough justified it so you guys were talking about um like for instance south africa's that first goal and you sort of brought up that celebration thing so i'm going to ask you which was your favorite celebration throughout this entire women's world cup because we've had some we've had some cocky celebrations mm. we've had some that have that have really gotten the sarcasm game really <laughs> right so in that sense what would you pick as your favorite the cup ask you the cup celebration alex morgan come on not rubino really Rapino sort of got boring. Yes, yeah. Really cool. That was that should be in a statue. I vote for a statue to be made. So do you know Serena Wigman is getting a statue in Netherlands? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah I did for the fact that morning. she yeah. she made it through. I think they're going to be giving her a statue somewhere. That's yeah. Yeah, yeah that yeah, would actually Rapino's make a really good. It was Yeah, Rapino was fun at first. I mean, it was Are you entertained or something? It's supposed yeah, to yeah, be, right? Yeah. yeah. It was fun at first, but then she kept doing it. Yeah, I think I had I mean the one that I was personally very very disturbed by was Ellen White's. I just did not mm. understand what that no. binoculars thing was. And she spoke about how it it was some um, she used to follow the Bundesliga really closely and so it was somebody else's it was it was someone yeah. I I don't yeah. remember the player's embarrassing but <laughs> but yeah, it was someone's celebration that she sort of aped and that sort of made it worse for me cuz like as it is it looked a little weird to sort of look at. But it was fun no though cuz it was yeah. good. It was good. I mean some celebrations define World Cups and what those yeah, the cup was and yeah. that all of that you look back at it uh, through pictures and the, you'll see these first that that's true i think when we talk about yeah. celebrations you also i mean i for me at least personally i cannot discount marta's celebration where she kissed her shoe mm. that was yeah. looking at it suddenly i mean i was doing something else and then i just looked at the screen and i looked at her kissing her shoe so it was <laughs> so out of the blue for me but then again you look at you look at what that symbolizes right the fact that she didn't get a mm. she didn't go on to renew her Sponsor. sponsorship okay. and stuff of that yeah. sort so again that brings us back to one of the biggest debates if not the biggest the pay gap yeah. the pay gap debate mm. between men's and women's football mm. What 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 is this spot done for that debate? Because remember, after the final, you had the entire stadium in Lyon sort of going saying equal pay, equal pay yeah, after yeah. US won, which was That's amazing. Right. I mean, that video was really nice to sort of look at. Yeah. So, what do you make of that debate? What do you make of the the disparity between um, how women's and men's football is sort of played like, out? There shouldn't be a debate about this. It's pretty clear that that they need to get equal pay. They play the same game. Play the same games. They uh, international teams play probably more more games than the men's international teams play. and it's the same game it's the same effort it's if not more effort i actually think there's more effort put into the women's team they don't have uh, their own, each player doesn't have their own um, camp following them around yeah. and they don't have chartered flights uh, mm-hmm. you know travel uh, you know taking them everywhere there's more effort that goes into it that's unnoticed and even you don't even have to consider all of those and even if you don't consider all of those they should get equal pay there is just It's ridiculous is a debate about do you this. think this argument about um you know the men sort of bring in more audiences and the men sort of bring in more people how how valid is that because as a woman that sort of ticked me off a little bit considering the fact that a you need to have equal investment to sort of make that yeah. claim unless your back end is equal on both ends you can't sort of look at the returns it's a, right it's about visibility right yeah. and uh, familiarity you uh, when you're familiar with some player you go watch them 
how how you how do you get familiar with some player if you never watch them on tv yeah. you got to put some money into the sport and make them visible they you start identifying with them like people like sam kerr and all of those people suddenly yeah. the whole of australia yeah we had like a goat debate yeah. that came up suddenly and sam kerr the goat yeah. right so that that just there, there was visibility for her and now whenever she plays probably people will notice that yeah. Yeah. and australia already has equal pay they also already established equal pay just before the So there are some countries that do that but the rest of the world I don't know it's I don't know what, yeah what the issue is I don't know but I must I just be devil's advocate I think it, um the the money that goes into it also does make a difference I mean it is we do obviously want equal pay for all players women and men but then you have to understand as well that when it comes to sponsorship stuff um, women's world cup doesn't really get as many sponsors as the men's world cup does yeah. a yeah. because of visibility and b because of popularity like Amal said so again if you so it's it's basically it's 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 the chicken or the egg situation what came first is it do you want to put money first and then want returns or do you want to see if the returns there any put money into so it what do you do what do you suggest if you were to take a call i would say well, just put money into it first i mean of course it's it's an easy easy it's very easy to say yeah say exactly but that's happening that's happening so the fifa like the organizing committee sort of wanted to increase the prize money next time but what a skewed ratio is that you have what messi earns is yeah. like you encompass about 1000 other female football players and then that's yeah. it's equivalent it's so skewed that ratio is it's it's terrible when you look at it in a balance if you have to look at the prize money that was sort of distributed between yeah. what the men got last year and what the women got this year it's like 1/5 or something mm. they got a total of 30 million these boys had 400 million that was split amongst yeah. themselves but in terms of business when you look at it in real life it makes sense right in real life when you look at it in yeah. terms of through the eyes of business it yeah. makes sense if for them if it's a purely business decision then of course it does but again if you want to involve put in the fact both players put in equal amount of effort if not one puts in more then i think it's a little unfair it is unfair undoubtedly but i'm saying the fact that you also have to look at it from a business point of view right so for somebody who's like running the whole thing this yeah. is this is how they sort of look at it isn't it tricky situation fair enough yeah. it's, it's hard to get like a, yeah. a there's i mean obviously there is a right answer but there's a it's very difficult to sort of get there isn't it mm. when you look at what you need to do and it's going to be gradual it's going to keep increasing and eventually yeah. probably on find your way it it's not going to be yeah we go to utopia But both both men and women are paid equal money. Yeah. But yeah, let's just not have this massive transfer like Neymar's transfer. Yeah, that that sort of money. We're never going to see that sort of money. I don't want to see any more of those for sure. Yeah, in men's yeah. football also. It's going to be another one. I don't think I want to see those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. All right. Um. So I mean, considering we were talking about the differences between the male and the female game, one of the things that I remember a couple of people on Twitter used to tell me was the women's game is so slow. Hmm. And I mean, why would you play it this way? It's just it's not fun to watch at all. Some time sometimes there's no goal only. There were so many uh, first halves that went goalless hmm. through the tournament. And you also have this debate about whether women should have smaller goal posts and whether the dimensions of the pitch should be smaller. And hmm. There's a lot of debate on that. What do you make of that? So when the woman who wrote about having smaller goal posts, Emma Hayes, um she mentioned examples of how uh, hurdles are smaller. for women a shorter for women than men and uh, how the basketball is slightly mm. smaller for women than men because uh, to accommodate the physical differences that mm. men and women have which is which is a reality which is a reality and that it's that is and uh, she said that because goalkeepers usually in women's game they tend to be smaller than the men's game right but at the same, uh, so and there was a lot of uh even before this world cup this world cup goalkeepers did really well yeah. i mean the chile goalkeeper cristiano ronaldo they they did really well but before that the women the main one of the main criticisms about the women's game were the goalkeepers were just standing there mm-hmm. i mean there was nothing much they could do to you know stop those goals and yeah. all of that um so the physical differences part it's 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 a real it's a real thing but then 
at the same time there are these people who you it's probably it's just about improving coaching methods or something yeah. you know i mean you just have to do you necessarily have to reduce dimensions yeah. do you do you need that argument at all i mean if you say that people are going to say that then how are we fighting towards equality if we exactly. are getting you know the different dimensions smaller dimensions for uh, women and you say that and that's going to that's going to even further the further that argument the that it's a women's yeah. game it's yeah. a di- it's a different game and it's an easier game or it's a boring game so i don't think that's the way to go about right so now you were talking about goalkeepers and that sort of brings us to an interesting stage in the tournament cuz i mean i know we didn't have as many goals as we would have wanted to usa is a completely different story let's just not get there but um we had a number of really remarkable saves i remember um korea mm. she plays for argentina yeah. she was brilliant mm. um sarivan vinandal mm. she's yeah. been brilliant mm-hmm. through the, the tournament yeah. so we've had a lot of cases where these goalkeepers have really stepped up and helped their team through but we've also had cases where technology sort of screwed everything up for everybody so the var was like the second star of the world cup if i may say so after rapino because <laughs> everybody was just talking about this at yeah. the end of every game mm. everywhere you had some controversy that was coming up some decision that was that didn't go extremely well with either side what do you make of that i mean considering the fact that a lot of people are now asking do we even need var or what what was the point of the entire thing where you have everything that goes back and especially in the final i mean considering yeah. this came this factored in in the final so when var was introduced in the men's world cup it it did cause a bit of furore then as well and it's continuing to be so it's 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 just you saw the champions league as well the men's yes. champions league yes. matches about how var was debated so i mean it is a debate we have to have But is it necessary evil? Pretty much because it does help at times. I mean, it's not always yeah. always in the negative side. I mean, VR has helped in even multiple locations. The final, especially the penalty, was given, but I'm sure it wasn't intentional. But end of the day, a high boot challenge to someone's shoulder is a penalty, especially in the penalty box. And it is you, a penalty, so it was given. Debated. It's given, but, but and but the thing is, the thing about VAR is you look at something. again and again in yeah. slow motion for 10 10 yeah. times anything looks like a penalty anything looks like intentional so i don't know we are it, it's necessary but it has a lot of steps to go you know to make it you know it's not a perfect system it's yet not, is it it's yeah. not it's not a perfect system at all and uh, and they tried implementing this goalkeeper uh, rule the new yeah, rule with, that like yeah. goalkeeper should that have that was heartbreaking line. oh god in so many of those games that's scotland argentina game that yeah. you were talking about yeah, earlier yeah so th- they should I mean they should have uh, experimented with it earlier before they put it in directly into use in the world cup mm-hmm. women's world cup I mean that's that's not, that wasn't a good thing I mean they suspended it also after that but yeah, yeah. that was really messy wasn't it they just got it tremendously wrong was, at that was, point it was messed up yeah. that was really messed up so you the England Cameroon game right yeah there was uh, there was the same issue that what was yeah like what was your standout VAR moment through the entire thing if you could remember one no for me it has to be the semi finals Which which one? Uh, firstly, the penalty that was given, the Stephu, well, the one that Stephu yeah. missed, yeah. uh, she went on to miss. That's another story. But the that penalty, that, that wasn't a penalty yeah. for me. That was too sto- soft a touch. I mean, and that's what I said. That's that's emphasizing my point. When you look at something on the screen, so many times again yeah. and again, anything yeah. will look like a penalty. And uh, uh, right after that, um, uh, Ellen White's offside. Yeah, that oh. s- such tiny that margins. That was stinging. Yeah, I think I think you got to. that you should find a middle ground you know you you can follow letter the um, i mean with the law to the yeah. letter but then you just i don't know it just kind of spoils the benefit sport of the doubt little bit. yeah you yeah. got to give them give the attacker the benefit of the doubt sometimes what about you what I don't do you care for favorite vm moment i wasn't really i would say favorite i mean yeah. considering not all of them that came up were the game changers honestly i don't think i can personally pinpoint one instance i'm sure ellen white's thing was like i had that in mind as well but i think just in general it was fair enough 
so i mean we are talking about all of these things but we need to remember we're not in france we're not in europe we're not in america we're in india, india. so we've got our own problems with football itself and coming to women's football those are like 10 times more there what do you think there's been any sort of an effect because i remember um, i think towards the semis of the women's world cup i'd spoken to a couple of these players who play for local clubs around here and they were following the world cup and they're like we like marta and we hope brazil sort of mm-hmm. makes it through and we like usa and stuff of that sort so they're following these games not that they're not but do you think can we ever expect an impact of a tournament of this sort to come into like women's football in india considering it's very grassroots if you look at how it functions here yeah it is possible because the women's team actually has been doing really well over the last 2 years and we're hosting the under 17 women's world cup next year so it's going to further provide a lot of massive springboard for the indian women footballers but in terms of exposure they do go on multiple tours they do play a lot of football but the league system is kind of faulty here we only have the hero indian women's <laughs> league which is about 21 days yeah. which is um not enough for any, any football <laughs> how long do the men play for 3 months 6 months yeah, it depends on the six months around it depends on different we have like plus international games so it's quite it's that's, it's, it's, it's so what, one of your biggest thing things is match practice isn't it for then sure. yeah you don't get as many games so how do you match up to there's no club football concept per se for women except for the 21 days they play and the national team of course they do play but there's is i wouldn't say it's optimal number of matches so yes there is a lot of um, improvement to do but i don't think we're too far away i think there is scope for improvement and um, maybe in another let's say 8 years from now probably the 2026 women's world cup we could actually claim a stake is what i feel i'm being overly optimistic i mean they are yeah. at least the rank much higher than i mentioned yeah. so i'm being overly optimistic here yeah but i remember remember we saw this um, no, fifa wait, wait, let me just ask you mm-hmm. uh, we had a men's world cup uh, under 17 world yeah. cup 2017 yeah. how much is that done for the men's in football um because like was four of the players who gone on to play for the country but it's just the fact that facilities improved because stadium six teams spruced up so got us better facilities kind of put us on the global map where we already were but now we are kind of better known on sort of a parting note if i have to ask you what your favorite goals of the tournament was goals are goal Goal. One goal. Ah, whatever. If you have two goals, tell me two goals. It's funny. I think we both have the same. We both have the same. Please don't tell me some England goal. We were discussing yeah. a lot of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Lu- Lucy Brown's goal. Oh my god. Yeah, that that finish is like. Yeah. Was is right at the training ground. It was a corner at the edge of the box. So he was goalkeeper. He was a free kick at the edge of the box. It was cut down to a shot right outside the box. That first time first finish. Time finish Ooh, into the roof of the net. And the best part is David Beckham was in the stands. He was <laughs> yeah, like, and he just yeah, I remember that. It uh, sort of cut to him was, and his daughter. That was like validating the damn goal. Ooh, that was one hell of a finish. I mean, that was my favorite goal for sure. Same. same. What about you? Which one do you like the same, most? Same. I don't know. I'm actually sort of conflicted. I like uh, the fact that Rapino's spot kicks were so good. There was a corner kick that she like directly netted. Oh yeah, brilliant. Yeah. It was very interesting for me because you don't expect USA to have home support yeah. in France. <laughs> so when they played that game and the entire stadium sort of got up yeah. and they started cheering for a minute, I was like, "Are we in the right place? Is this like a home game?" That was that was brilliant for so me. So there's also another goal, the Amandi Nandri goal. Yeah, mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. I think South Korea. I think. Yeah, she just called it past France. Yeah, yeah. that was brilliant. Yeah. She was brilliant. It was very heartbreaking that they sort of yeah, didn't France, make it through. Yeah, France. Yeah. Fair enough. So, I mean, we've sort of discussed everything we needed to. Yep. Um, thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. Uh, it was fun talking to you. Uh, we've had a good time sort of covering this tournament and speaking about it. And yeah. Let's hope we were sort of able to take the impact of the tournament forward wherever sure. we speak. Yeah. Yep.
All right, guys, that brings us to the end of the episode today. If you haven't watched this final between USA and Netherlands, please go to the FIFA website and watch it right away. There are a lot of resources FIFA has made available for newer audiences to sort of embrace the women's sport as well. So go ahead and check it out. If you have any thoughts about the 2019 World Cup or how things are going to be for the 2023 edition in Australia and New Zealand and if you want to share your thoughts about anything discussed on the show you can do that all you need to do is reach out to us on Twitter Facebook or Instagram we are available on @sportstarweb the account again is @sportstarweb to make things easier i'll make the details available in the description of this episode Before we wind up here's a reminder if you're a first time listener thank you so much for coming in thank you for clicking on this podcast and giving it your time please make sure you click the subscribe button so you do not miss an other episode from not just a man's world if you're a returning subscriber welcome back we're very sorry for being a little missing in action but make sure to tune in to our weekly wraps every sunday where we bring you all of the major developments from the world of women's sport My name is Lavanya and that's all we have time for today. Until our next episode, it's goodbye from all of us here at Sportstar.